Welcome to That's Awesome ID. My name is Leslie Early, and each week I will be speaking with a different guest and learning about one thing they think is awesome in the field of instructional design. Okay, today I am joined by Alia Sandovar. She is a play and game consultant, as well as the co-founder of the Playful Creative Summit. And she is here today to share some insights about gamification and the myths that surround gamification in the L&D world. So thank you so much, Alia, for joining me. Thank you so much, Leslie. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so before we jump into talking about gamification, because I know you have a lot to say about this, but <laughs> do you want to take a minute or two to just introduce yourself? Uh, sure. I thought your introduction was perfect, but hello, <laughs> hello everyone. I'm Alia Sandovar. Um, I'm originally from Colombia, South America. I'm a world citizen now, having lived in the U.S., the Netherlands, and now I spend my winters either in Southeast Asia or in Portugal. And uh, yeah, so I help people um, create really fun and engaging products by using gamification. And uh, my background is in uh, game production. My PhD is in game production, and I've produced a few educational games and love game design. So that's me. Yes, and that's why I'm so excited that you joined me because it, you have so much, um, so much information, so much you've done, so much research in this, and you clearly have a lot to uh, say about it. So, based on everything you know and you've learned, <laughs> what is gamification to you? What does that mean to you? Yes, that's a really great question. So I, I think for me, it's, it's um, here's how I would define it. Gamification is the science. So you need to understand behavioral science and the art of applying game principles to business. And, and it's, and even further than that, it is tailored to that specific business to those specific customers and to a specific product. So it is actually that requires uh, requires like an organized scientific process to be fully effective. Um, it is not something that's just a slap on type of solution and, and it requires thinking. Um, so it's both like an art type of work, but it's also based on behavior and science and how people function. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the understanding I'm getting now over time is that yeah. this is actually pretty complex and yes. it takes a lot of planning <laughs> and, and thought and design to, to be effective. Um, and it has to be different for each project is what I'm picking up. Like, yes. you know, you, one type of gamification will work in one situation and maybe not in another. Exactly. Um, so we're going to talk about myths though. So yes. I think we just talked about the first myth that, you know, it's not something simple that you can just, you know, throw a badge or, or a leaderboard and that's gamification. So what are some myths, the biggest myths that, that come to mind for you? Um, well, yeah, that first one is uh, leaderboard badges and points. So just adding those, even though they are uh, game elements, it doesn't make it a gamified experience. It just makes something that has game elements in it. Um, I think that the second one it, we sort of touched on, which is this idea that gamification is like copy paste, right? That once you figure it out, what 
like how it works for your business or how it works for your product. You can just copy and paste it across all your different products or you're using it to motivate teams across all your teams or, or across, um, you know, or, or across different businesses, if you have more than one business. And like we just mentioned, it's specifically tailored um, to different businesses, different products, and to your different customers. Um, the other thing, which I think is the one that you love the best, is the idea that gamifications can serve as a, as a booster. It amplifies what you already have, but it's not a Hail Mary. So if if you don't have a good product, no amount of gamification is going to is gonna help it. So it's a little bit like the chocolate covered broccoli, right? Like yeah. you, you, still, you still have broccoli, like you're not, it's right. not, not going to change it. And one example I use, um, and I, I'm sorry to mention this company because I, I don't know who they are, or where they are, and maybe they've changed things since then. But there was this company um, called Syncuation. They advertised a lot on YouTube, and I signed up to because they had some sort of like bilateral sound thing that balanced your right and left hemispheres of your brain. It's supposed to be this like oscillating sound. And I thought, oh, that looks cool. So I signed on. And it has a few sort of like gamified elements. I, I actually don't recall what they were, but I thought they were sort of like cute. And then I went on to listen to the audio, right? That's supposed to balance and keep me at peace. It was awful. It, oh, no. I mean, I'm not a sound engineer. I'm not a musician, but I can tell you even for my, for my ears, <laughs> I was... I was like, I cannot, I, this is not something I can work with. So, so that, that's what I mean that, yeah, maybe it got me in the door. Maybe it got me to try something, but it didn't keep me as a long-term customer or uh, in education or in learning. It doesn't keep me motivated if it's not good. Right. So here we are assuming that the structure of what you've put together is good and solid and not something that doesn't have solid content. Um, It sounds like it it had the opposite (laughs) effect of what it was supposed to do, right? Like give you calm and you were like, oh no, this is terrible. Yeah. I'm curious though, like what was the sound? Was it like, like an ambient sound? Was it it music? Yes. Sort of this ambient, there was some, uh, there was some like um, nature sounds, but then there was this, mm, you know, and, and you kind of need that sort of like balance. But I I just remember that, that the sound was not well-rounded and, uh, and it was sort of jarring to my ears. And I thought, well, this (laughs) this is not going to balance my left and right hemisphere. It doesn't matter how much. (laughs) Well, they're balanced in that both hemispheres do not like this. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So if, if the product or the service or the experience is bad, no amount of gamification or gamified elements is going to rescue that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so this is assuming that what you're offering is already, already good. And, um, I, I think they're, yeah. So I think those are like the big, the big, the big ones, maybe a side one that's sort of, um, not, yet within the gamification world, but one which I also talk about is the idea that these days often people think as 
gamification as sort of like a nice to have. Mm. And and I'm trying to motivate, encourage all those involved to begin using gamification in everything that they do, especially because of the number of people that have flooded the online space in the last year. As we know, we've had mm-hmm. uh, quite a quite a year all over the world. And, and so gamification is one of the ways in which um, a company, a um, business, a course can stand out and keep people motivated. Because now if we even had more things competing for our attention online mm-hmm. before, we have even more. And, um, and so this is one of the ways in which you can ensure that your customers or people who are taking uh, trainings or or taking your courses get the most benefit possible by by motivating them to say complete something or or be engaged with it long term. Yeah, and as you were talking about that, it made me think. Um, have you ever heard of UXL.com? No, I haven't. No. So it's like this new um, web. Well, it's an app, I think, too. But I yeah. just use the website version. But it's UX, like user experience, yes. and then uh-huh. Cell, C-E-L. And their entire thing is gamified. Like, they're teaching you about UX design, but it's just, it's very similar to, like, Duolingo, where you just yes. log in, and you're doing little exercises, and they're telling you yes or no, you're right, and you just keep going that way. And I realized as I was doing it, this is completely gamified. Like, <laughs> this entire process. Like, and it's so seamless that I didn't, it took me like, I was through like 10 lessons before I realized like, Hey, this is all gamified. <laughs> like, so I, I think some companies are doing exactly what you're talking about. Like that's how they're mm-hmm. differentiating themselves. It's, is, um, mm-hmm. is having those game elements and, and the micro learning elements that I think will make people a lot more competitive in the future. Yeah. So, yeah. So there was one other thing in your GameCon presentation mm-hmm. that I thought was really interesting because I've mm-hmm. never heard anybody talk about this before. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like an aha moment. And that is that you brought up the importance of the creator, the game mm-hmm. or gamification creator yeah. in the process, the design yes. process. Yes. And I was like, yes. huh, never heard of that before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, so that actually comes from my research. Uh, so when I when I did my PhD, I actually studied game designers and how they go about designing. And the the theories or the body of work that that I was focusing on were um, was on ethics of design and how we embed our values and beliefs in everything that we make. Right. So so whatever is made has the values and beliefs of the maker. And, and of course, then we consume that, right? Because we either play that game or interact with that website or whatever. And, and that informs us as the receiver. And, and so often when we're looking, or even in video games, often people focus a lot on the game itself or the, the, program or the course itself and how that's structured and and the people who are using it right so and and looking at the which i also talk about looking at the play personality the like the play types of the users uh, but no one really looks at the personality of the person who's actually designing it and yeah and this this is very important especially if it's your course um because it has to 
come just just like gamification is sort of like half art and half science whatever you create is half from you and and half for your audience so it has to come from you and and have your flavor of personality and and that's when you know because of that i i really then advocate for for the, you know the play personality i i created this little quiz the play personality is not mine you know that that comes um from a researcher from the institute of play and um but I, but I took um, the information from his book and then created the play personality. And what that does is it helps um, the play personality quiz. It helps people define what personality type they are and what would be the most fun for them to create in terms of their course, right? So, so if you are a, um, let's see, if you're an artistic type, then ensuring that the flavor, the vision of your course has some sort of like artistic angle. It's what's what's going to flavor the course and also make you unique in the marketplace, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, then, of course, then you can uh, select game elements or game mechanics that, that your uh, clients or customers will be encouraged by. But, but it is sort of kind of like the container, right? Um, if you're more of a kinesthetic type, you know, you, you, there's activity, you know, you like action, you like movement. So maybe the way you flavor your course or you flavor your program has to do with some sort of active something. And, and, and it's you. It's part of who you are. So, so it's part of what differentiates you in the in the marketplace. Yeah, and and, and you gave that little quiz. I think you gave the quiz during game of the session, yes, and we all had yes. a few minutes to fill it out. So, I I think I got storyteller out of that. And yes. when I when I saw that, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> like outside of, you know, my professional life, I, I have always loved creative writing, you know, the, watching mm. TV, movies, TV, like anything story related. And it would make so much sense that my mind goes to yes, stories and scenario based, um, courses and things like that. And that's like what I get excited about and having the character, you know, go through a journey or something like that. So yeah, it was just very, exactly. It's very um, illuminating to to know that about yourself and know like okay I don't have to force myself to make a type of game because I think that's what's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Focus on mm-hmm. what I like and mm-hmm. and hope that that resonates with other other players. So yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. And it- and it's also a bit like I said, it's it's a it's a mesh, right? So because um, you know there are eight play personalities for those listening. <laughs> so I'll briefly mention them: they're the Joker, the Kinestat, the Explorer, the Competitor, the Director, the Collector, the Artist, Creator, and the Storyteller, which you were talking about. Um, so so it is, is important that you when you design something it comes from you, and you also have to keep in mind that who you're serving. They also have their own ways in which they play. And, and so the vision and the goals for your course or your program will come from your play personality. But then the mechanics, the game elements that you put in it to motivate people uh, will come from who you think is going to, the, the types of people you think are going to come and play with you. For example, um, you're a storyteller, right? So, so maybe you would have 
um, like a storyline or, or something like this, or maybe a character that people might pick, right? Um, but if you have a lot of people who maybe are competitors, you know, they, they, like, they like to compete, you might uh, have it so that the different characters, as you're like moving along the course or something, you, you can get things that you can show off or something so that you could, so you can, so people can feel like, Hey, Hey, you know, I I'm doing, I'm, I'm competing against others to try to get this one thing or yeah. this kind of thing. So, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think also knowing your own, um, per- play personality and knowing that there are other personalities also can like expose any, some biases you might have or things like that of like, you know, Mm-hmm. This is my preferred way, but this is not the only way. And I need to, um, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm just rambling that, but I just thought it was very interesting. And if people <laughs> are interested in that, they should yeah. go take a look at, uh, your, your player personality quiz. But before we run out of time, I want to segue yeah. us because you have something, a very interesting project that you're working on right now, um, yes. all about play and creativity. And that is the playful creative summit. So, I did want to give you a chance to kind of talk about that. And first of all, what is that? I know what it is, but what is that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so the Playful Creative Summit is an online uh, free conference, you could say, um, for entrepreneurs, business owners, play-oriented professionals, and anyone who's curious about playfulness and creativity. Um, it's free. It will go live April 21st through the 25th. And we have invited um, 50 plus speakers, I think it's 53 total, uh, to come and talk to us um, about playfulness and creativity. So our speakers come from many different types of fields. Some, some of them are um consultants, some of them are game designers or programmers, some of them are um, improv enthusiasts, people are um, in film or musicians, Uh, so different sort of creative and playful fields. And we just invite them to come talk to us about how to play and be creative in work and life um, and, and how to use the things that they've learned to maybe discover purpose in our businesses and how to grow together. And uh, yeah, and I, I think they're going to be offering lots of great background in terms of creative process or daily practices um, for playful creativity. And, and we'll also be discussing how these can impact us in the future for 2021 and beyond and the importance of playfulness and creativity in our world today. Yeah. So, and, and um I've been getting the emails, so I'm ready for when it comes on, you know, April 21st. But, um, so it seems like most of it is asynchronous. Is that right? But there are going to be some synchronous elements. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, so we, what we, we have done is because our idea is to have this accessible to anyone with an internet connection across the globe, then we just release about approximately about 15 pre-recorded videos on Monday the 20, I mean Wednesday the 21st at 9 a.m. Um, UK time, and then and then you have all day 
um, plus the next four days to watch any of the videos of the first day at any time that works for you. And then the second day will release another 15 and the third day will release another 15 approximately. And then, and then you still have Saturday and Sunday to continue to watch anything that you missed. There's probably about five hours of watch time, um, per, per day. Uh, so you could split it up over, over five days. And then we do offer, um, interactive workshops. So we have two networking events, two play sessions and two workshops, workshops. Um, and those are for those who choose to co-sponsor the summit. So the summit is free. And then we invite those who want to co-sponsor us to sponsor us so we can keep going and doing, do it again next year. Yeah, that's so fun. I love that you're, you have like the, uh, the main content is free, which is an amazing service to the community, but you also have the option, you know, if you, if you do want to co-sponsor and, and essentially donate or, you know, pay, um, yeah. <laughs> you do have access to these other live synchronous events. So I, I think that's a really nice model. Um, but my Last final question here is what, this is a lot of work. Clearly it's a lot of work. So what motivated you? I know you have a partner who's working, you're working with on this, David. Um, but what motivated you guys to put this together? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think we were first motivated by the idea of like, could we bring our two worlds together? Because I come from the playful side and he comes from the creative side, having, uh, you know, he was been a journalist for many years and he also uh, was a band manager. He was in music, you know, traveled all over. So, uh, so we wanted to see what could happen. We brought uh, people that he knew and people that I knew together. That was just at the beginning. We didn't know exactly what we were doing. And then it became larger than that. It, when when we saw the impact, and, and we asked ourselves, why are we doing this? And, and we we did th- say we believe that playfulness and creativity are behavior shifting doorways that can change the world, and and we 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 believe that fully. Um, but at the beginning, we we're just kind of okay. Let's just try, experiment, <laughs> see what happens, and we can we can try this. And then over time, it's really become this sort of um, d- more of a movement for us than than just a summit. It is definitely, we really feel, especially now in the last year, that um, playfulness and creativity together can really shift um, mindsets and, and change, um, change the way that people feel, help people think, think outside of the box, uh, create new solutions. And even, even yesterday we had a, um, sort of like networking event for, for attendees and, um, and for speakers. And I was in a group and, um, some of the attendees there were saying that one of the reasons they were joining the summit was because they needed it. They needed some lightness. They needed some playfulness. They needed some creativity. They pretty much had it with everything that's happening and, and the seriousness of everything everywhere. And, um, and so for us, it's just the spirit of lightness and play, um, that can, I think, bring peace and, um, I don't know, joy, joy to everyone. So, yeah. 
Well, that's, that's wonderful. And that also explains a lot about why you are offering this as, you know, a free, essentially a service. So it's, I, I'm super grateful. I'm really excited to attend. Um, hopefully I'll be able to attend some of the live events because of the time difference. I'll, I'll try my best, <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but either way, I'm just happy to support. Um, yeah. so yeah. So thank you so much again, Alia for joining me and for, um, sharing some of your insights about gamification. And I hope, um, people have a chance to join your playful creative summit and get a little bit of that joy. Yes. I hope so too, for sure. Yeah. So if people wanted to connect with you or, you know, continue the conversation, is there a good place that people can find you? Yes, of course. So, um, you can, of course, um, go and find us through the playfulcreativesummit.com. So that's the first place. And uh, the, the second place is you can always um, find me on Twitter at Alia Sandovar or on Instagram at tint.hue, T-I-N-T dot H-U-E. That's also my company name. So another website for you, tinthue.com. And uh, yeah, so anywhere you can find me, I'm happy to respond. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, again, thank you so much. And I will see you very soon, I think. Yeah. See you very soon. Thanks so much, Leslie.